Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Talking Roadmaps. It's great to have you here, where we talk to everyone about the good, the bad, and the ugly of road mapping. I'm really pleased today to be joined by Steve Johnson. Steve, please introduce yourself. Well, I'm Steve Johnson. I am a founder at a, a group called Product Growth Leaders, where we do uh, training and coaching for product management teams. Uh, I have been a consultant for 25 years, starting uh, in the mid nineties with pragmatic and about 10 years ago, starting up my own boutique, if you will. And our focus is on simple methods, simple process, uh, uh, effectively agile product management. As with any YouTube channel, I've got to do the whole, please do like subscribe and hit that bell icon just to show us some love and, uh, kind of keep updated on how things are going. So let's dive straight into it though, Steve. What's the purpose of a roadmap? Well, the purpose of a roadmap is to imply that you can do more than is actually possible with the resources you have available, <laughs> or so it seems. You know, I uh, roadmap is the, one of the most uh, popular or most often requested documents from literally everybody, and yet nobody can seem to agree on what a roadmap is. Um, and so I think the word roadmap is really helpful. When you plan a trip, you, you know, get out a map or you go to, you know, Google and you say, all right, how do I get from here to there? And it says, here's your, here's your route, which is what a roadmap is for. It's not a release plan. Jana Bosto from ProdPad says that the roadmap is a prototype of your strategy. And yet the delivery people, you know, the customer facing people, they're like, oh, no, no, no. We want this to be a committed set of deliverables that we can ensure a year in advance. And uh, I had a meeting a while back that was particularly funny. They said, Steve, can you commit to this roadmap? And I said, yes, I can commit to this roadmap. We will do nothing more than is on this roadmap. And they went, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We need to have all these other things. And I'm like, well, then I can't commit to the roadmap. <laughs> you talked about everyone wants a piece of that roadmap. Everyone kind of wants who is that audience? Who, who's, who are those everybody? Executives can't read. You know, they ask you for a business case and there's just too darn many words in it. So many of us have said, well, okay, here's my business model canvas and here's my roadmap. Here's a picture of what we're going to do, which I think is the appropriate use of the roadmap. Uh, first, you know, here's a set of work we have to do. And then once we have this, we can do this. And once we have this, we can do that. And, you know, just like a roadmap, you know, you're going to drive from here to Maryland, to Connecticut, uh, to Massachusetts. I forget what the order of states are, um, but it's my plan. Right. Uh, but on the delivery side, they're, they're like, no, no, no. I need to know what features are coming out and when. And I, I go, well, you know, I'm kind of curious of what leads you're going to close and when? And, you know, salespeople are like, hey, whoa, that, you know, that's entirely different. But, you know, it's actually kind of the same. We generate a whole bunch of leads in, in marketing for sales to follow up on. And some of them they follow up on. Some of them they say, you know what, this isn't very important or this isn't a very good client. Or for some reason they disqualify them. And guess what? We do the same thing in feature requests. We get a thousand feature requests. We've got a team that can do 50 of them. So we have to go through and lop off a bunch of stuff. But I think fundamentally, the roadmap wants to be, here are the initiatives or epics that 
it is part of our overall plan, and yet sales in particular says, well, no, I want the roadmap to be something else. I want it to be a committed uh, schedule. And development also says, you know, I would like to see where we're going, and I don't want you to commit me to any sort of a schedule until I've had a chance to actually look at what you're talking about, because I do believe that only the person doing the work can give you a reliable estimate on the work. And even then, it's questionable if they can be, really be reliable. Correct. Correct. I do remember one of my favorite dev friends said, uh, this would take about a half a day. I'll be available in six months to work on. Right. So even when they estimate, it doesn't mean starting tomorrow. Right. And so when I, uh, for instance, in, in a general rule is we no longer put dates in roadmaps. Dates belong in schedules. And yet, even with fuzzy dates, like second quarter, each audience hears something different. I mean, development says, oh, delivery in second quarter means midnight on June 30. Maybe. They're probably, they just checked the code into the repository. Now Q&A need to do their work and we'll get it sometime in Q3. Right, right, right. And then marketing says, well, gosh, second quarter, that would be the when I come into work on April 1st. I, right. And then salespeople somehow feel like they need, you know, uh, second quarter for them means we have to start building pipeline in, in first quarter. So I'm going to need a whole set of sales enablement tools starting on, you know, February 1st or something like that. The roadmap does not have dates, I think, is the, the big idea. And it says this is the sequence of events we have to go through. Um, what other people are calling a roadmap can only be produced after we have done project scheduling because other people are asking, are calling a release schedule a roadmap and they're using the wrong terms. And I'm crazy about terms, by the way. I mean, when I went to college, marketing was strategy. And then when I joined business, everybody said, oh, how are you going to market this? Meaning promotion. Um, and, you know, some companies call it a product owner, some call it a product manager, some call, call it a product marketing manager. So words are really important. And the most common misuse I see is people referring to a roadmap when they need to be referring to a release schedule. We're asking the roadmap to do too many jobs. You're asking it to give that certainty of timing and date and provide direction. What we generally end up doing is making something that does both things badly. Exactly. It's kind of like a sofa bed. It's a bad sofa and a bad bed. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we talked about who's looking at it. Who owns it? Who maintains it? Whoever is responsible for the product strategy, which is itself a whole other conversation, I'm sure. Um, I, I did see some survey data the other day that suggests that 60% of product managers don't have a strategy, uh, which means we're just, you know, keeping on, keeping on, you know, we're, we're just continuing whatever trajectory we were on. Uh, but what I've seen evolve over the last few years is, is particularly interesting that product management for 25 years that I know of has been a strategic role, a business role. And, and even in the early days of Agile, when the creators of Scrum were describing the product owner role, they were describing a business role. And yet 
Now we see most product owners are actually what we used to call business analysts. They're Jira ticket writers without strategy, right? So there's actually like three roles. There's a strategy role. There's a release planning role, if you will, the product owner role. And there's a go-to-market role uh, that I like to call product growth. A lot of companies call it product marketing managers. But for me, the goal is to grow the product we now have. And yet we need somebody else thinking about, well, what, what's the next product we ought to have? Product management has always, and I will maintain that it is a strategic role. But one of the things I've kind of commented a few times recently is, why are there so many product managers? And I think it comes down to because it's shifting to be a bit more tactical in many organizations. You know, I, I was on a, a panel of consultants a few years ago, and they the question from the audience was, you know, what is the scope of product management? <clears throat> and I had just done my, you know, strategy, planning, growth thing. And the last consultant said, oh, a product manager's job is to do everything that no one else wants to do. And I think that's kind of the, 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 the essence of, of your point is, you know, we didn't hire a product a project manager. So somebody needs to do that. Hey, product manager, you know, would you please do that? And, oh, we don't have any UX designers. Hey, product manager, why don't you do that? Uh, hey, we didn't hire any sales engineers for our B2B products. So, hey, product manager, you know, could you do that? And I don't know what these product managers were doing before, but I've never been in a role where I had any extra time. And it seems like most product managers are so busy helping understaffed or underskilled teams that they have no, they often have little time or no time to do what you and I would call product management, product strategy. Spend the time in touch with the market, understand it, and then say, what the heck are we going to do about it? Exactly. Um, I like to think, uh, I like to describe to a, uh, somebody who is looking to be a product manager uh, as the product manager is really a problem manager. They're looking for problems in the market, or if you don't like that word, friction in the market. Um, when a buyer has friction dr trying to buy our product, that's an opportunity for us to optimize. Um, when a user has friction using our product, we need to understand that. And so we can you know, build a solution to that. But I'm amazed at the number of product owners or really even product managers of whatever uh, 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 role have had no, I mean, zero customer experience. So how in the world are you going to prioritize for business value? How in, how in the world are you going to represent the business in the market in your meetings with development if you're not allowed to talk to customers? And I talked to somebody just the other day. He said he'd been at the company for four years and have never met a customer except on a sales call where he was told to just be quiet until he was called on. What about other related artifacts like vision, strategy, objectives? How do they link into the roadmap? Well, I think that's one of the things that uh, uh, I've certainly seen from, from Bruce McCarthy that I, I strongly applaud, that, that if, if a roadmap is a vision document, as I think it is, then we should have the vision on the roadmap. One of the examples I use in my training class <clears throat> is the Apollo program, which is a, a really funny analogy to use because none of the people in my class was born when the Apollo program happened. But 
1961, John Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon. And it was kind of interesting the way he put it. We're going to send a person to the moon and bring him back before the decade is out. So, wow, here's a vision that is, is like pretty good. I mean, it's got acceptance criteria. You got to bring him back. And it's also got a time frame, you know, within a decade. And so James Webb, I think it, this is right, who we now know for the, you know, the telescope that's been deployed. James Webb honestly didn't know how they were going to do it. And so what they did was a roadmap. They broke Go to the Moon down into seven major initiatives. First, we're going to have to get a rocket to leave the Earth. I mean, you know, uh, when is that going to happen? And, and if you've watched any history, I mean, we had... When he made that announcement, we I don't think we'd actually gotten an air, uh, a rocket into space yet. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so they broke it down into seven initiatives. And guess what? We can't begin the second one until we've succeeded at the first one. And we may have to do it multiple times. And nobody had any idea how long those missions would take. Um, and one of the engineers... Uh, or, or actually, I think he was the program manager, said, the re yeah, we were over budget. You know, the reason we were uh, over, um, over schedule and over budget is we were doing things that had never before been done. And budgets and schedules are based on experience with previous work. And I find in many of the organizations we work in, the team that's doing the work is not experienced doing that kind of work. And, so, and we, we don't take that into account hardly at all. So... I've taken you far afield, but things that belong on the roadmap, yes, uh, definitely a vision statement. Uh, I think we're all agreed that the now next uh, beyond or now next future timescales are the way to go instead of quarters or months. Um, and then one other thing that Bruce McCarthy calls out in his book uh, is these are this information is subject to change. Uh, I have a friend whose development team got COVID and went to the hospital, the whole team in the hospital with COVID. And the leadership team was like, do you think this is going to impact our schedule? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say um, it probably is. Companies talk about carrying risk, for example, quite often as well. And that's an example there. It's like, and they just assume that that means it's still all going to be all right on the night. We're going to deliver. We're just going to carry it, but it, it'll never actually happen. But there's tons of risk in everything we plan and you know, that kind of direction we put in our roadmap. Again, the roadmap is such a powerful example because um, I can make a plan, but uh, but then, you know, I maybe I don't leave at nine o'clock. Maybe I leave at seven o'clock because I want to beat the, uh, you know, the commuter traffic. Um, but, oh, gosh, maybe I encounter traffic uh, or an accident. And they, the whole road is shut down. I mean, there are so many things that can go wrong in a journey that either we lie to everybody and say, all right, we're going to give you a 300% estimate. Um, or we just say, hey, this is our plan. We're going to adjust it as reality hits. But, and, and I honestly think this is one of the real benefits of Agile is it says, you know what? <laughs> we're going to work for two weeks. We'll show you where we are. You know, if we need to adjust, we can. We're going to work two more weeks if and we'll see where we are. And I have for, gosh, my whole career said I would rather ship what's ready on a date than ship what's ready whenever it's ready. 
Um, and, and so many organizations still seem to have a waterfall orientation of, no, we have a, a fixed scope and a fixed date. And they have no recollection that we've never succeeded at that. Right? So, again, a roadmap is a way of saying, you know, here's what we're working on now. Here's what we're working on soon. Here's what we're working on next. It's interesting because I was actually training a team just this morning, this afternoon, in fact, and saying the same thing to them, but uh, getting a bit of, they, they were pushing back saying, oh, my customers, my managers, my sales will never accept it. I said, in my experience, sales are the ones who will fight the hardest against it. The customers will generally look at it and say, oh, okay, that's more honest. I used to hold a customer advisory board and the customers would request, we'd like to see your roadmap. And I said, great, I'd like to see your roadmap. And so we'd get together, you know, me and like 10 CIOs or, or whoever the, our customers were, in, in my case, it was CIOs. And we would each share our roadmaps. And what their deal ultimately was, was not, I want to have feature X and the sales guy promised it to me. What they really wanted to see was, was my business viable going forward? I mean, they don't want to make a big investment in my enterprise product if I'm going to um, go out of business, right? But also, am I headed technically the way they're headed? I mean, am I moving to the cloud? Am I moving to Linux? And uh, so that they can synchronize their plans. And if they see that I'm going someplace they really don't want to go, then they've got to make a decision about that. Yeah, you should do something very similar. 20 key customers, what's your roadmap? What's ours? Let's see if we're on the journey together. Exactly. To me, that's what customers want. Um, not, you know, when are you going to have a report that does this thing, this one tiny minute thing that I want? Uh, and yet, I don't know why we, we get into these these arguments with the sales team. Uh, another person who uh, is interested in, in the whole roadmap thing is the chief financial officer. Typically, they do not want anybody talking about futures because here in the U.S. at least, you can't recognize revenue on any deal that is contingent upon future deliverables until those deliverables are delivered. So if I present an 18-month roadmap, then I may have to delay the revenue for 18 months. And sharing that with sales is easier when I say it's going to delay your commission for 18 months. Suddenly, they are not interested in sharing the roadmap any longer. So we've talked about kind of linking to vision and strategy. We've talked earlier about a release schedule. Are there any other artifacts that kind of link into our roadmap, have a relationship to them? You know, the way I teach product management, there's actually, I, I think product management is easier than we make it. You know, I think there are just a few key artifacts um, that, you know, we ought to have a product canvas that expresses, you know, who the product, what the product is, who is it for, what problems does it solve, what vision do we have. We've got a roadmap. Um, we should have something like a Kanban board. And frankly, the Kanban board is the better indicator of your schedule. So I would argue, uh, so, so the, the release plan that I talked about, I think as much as anything is a dump of your Kanban board. You know, here's what we're working on now. Here's what we'll work on soon. This is what we'll work on next. Um, and what else? Let's see. And, you know, 
probably a launch plan uh, because you need to coordinate multiple uh, groups. But do, do we actually need all these plans and all these meetings and all of these get togethers? I, I think that we've, we've kind of patched it with adding an artifact or adding a, a meeting or adding a ceremony. And, and, you know, for an example, I hired a new product manager and uh, assigned him to this one project. Uh, I went to a meeting and I didn't even know what the meeting was about. And it was about his project. And it was, uh, he was there, I was there and four or five, six other people were there. And I said, Hey, um, Bruce works for me. He's great. Um, which of us needs to leave? Because there's no reason for me and Bruce to be here. And uh, they said, oh, no, no, no. We need Bruce because he knows stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good. Well, I don't. So uh, I'm going to leave. And they're like, oh, no, no. You can make decisions. You're a VP. And I'm like, Bruce can make decisions. And I, I, I just wonder if, if, if we have failed to empower our teams to make decisions, to, to push decision-making as far away from senior leadership as possible. And so we end up with these enormous meetings of dozens of people trying to make a decision, which you know is impossible. Um, so I, I think we could make product management a lot easier if we just had a few key things, you know, the, the, the canvas, the roadmap, the backlog, uh, and then, you know, a launch plan. Maybe that's all we need. I've had so much the exact same conversation. It's like, okay, there's three of my team invited to this, including me. Which of us is going? In fact, we, we got to the point where it was one of our rituals as the product team. Who's going to this one now? Because we've all been invited and we're doing our team stand up. It's like, okay, we've all been invited. Who's got the ball on this one, right? What do you need to know? We're out of it. What I've found is the more you share the big picture and the context with the rest of the team, the less of them you have to attend as well because they're all on the same page as you. Indeed. Well, that, that reminds me of another principle that, that I strongly favor, and that is the more we can get others to understand the, the big picture, we don't have to get involved in the little picture. So, for instance, I've long been an advocate for personas, uh, and if... If we don't have them, then developers assume that our, our customers look just like their developers or their mothers. So those are the two kinds of people in the world for a developer, me and my mother. And yet our customers may be entirely different than that. So we build a persona, we teach them about their story and their challenges. And then when they have a question on how to implement something, they go, well, you know, what would Sally expect, as opposed to, well, if it were me, I would want it to have 72 options. But, you know, if it was my mother, I would want her to have no options. And, you know, actually Sally needs three or four options. So the more we can provide context, uh, the happier we'll be. And, and to, to run with that just a bit further, my first job in product management was so, such a good learning experience because it was a really good team. And I said, you know, how can I, how can I do well here? <clears throat> and they, and I was afraid they were going to say, you know, give us better specs, give us better prototypes. And uh, I was hoping that wasn't what they wanted. And it wasn't. They said, tell us what's going on in the business. We want to know 
where's this company going? What other products, uh, how other products are doing, how our product is doing, what promotions you're planning for our product. And I realized that they wanted the business context that I was taught is the role of product management. And they had not been getting it from their product owner who was coming in saying, I, you know, God spoke to me in a dream and I believe we need a button on the screen. I think so many organizations think that development is factory work, that we just sit here and punch out Jira tickets. And my friend Rich Marinoff said, you know, product management and development is like parenting. We build this thing that we love and that we're proud of and that we hope does well and goes off to college and, you know, has a good life. I mean, we're super excited about the health of our product and no one else in the organization really looks at it that way. But again, the more context you can provide to your team about what's going on with their child, you know, the better off you'll be. You don't. uh, So if you have an engaged, empowered team and provide them with context, you don't have to give them all the detail. If what you have is factory workers who say, don't bother me with all that context, just tell me what you want to build, you have to give them specs. The one problem I have with the metaphor of raising a child is at some point I'm probably going to kill this thing. And so I more think about it as rearing cattle because I'm going to, I'm rearing it. I care about it and I'm going to sometime take it to market or I might even slaughter it, but you know, cause that's the right decision for the business maybe. Well, I had not thought of that aspect. Um, so yeah, that is a very big difference. And it's, it's one that's been bothering me for a few years because I've talked about it being cradle to grave, my baby as a product. And then I thought, hold a second, I don't want to outlive my baby. I was doing a training for a company not too long ago, and the product manager came up and said, are, are you Steve Johnson? And I said, yeah, uh, why? And she's like, I have your business case. And it had gone like through four or five product managers to get to her. And she's like, I've just been following your business case when from years ago that you wrote, um, which was a little bothersome, but um, still, it was not like I, I stayed with my, my product all that time. You know, there are other caretakers. Metaphors, always, at some point, there, you always find that there's a little, a little challenge with the metaphor, which is one of the things I think about roadmap. The metaphor doesn't always help us because actually the roadmap itself just shows the options. It doesn't show the actual route, the route plan that you talked about earlier. And I think really when, we, when we're using that metaphor, we're, we're actually combining a number of things. I think that's true. And I think that's why it's so confusing that, that people equate it with, you know, okay, therefore I go to, road, uh, to um, you know, Google Maps and I print out a plan and it says, get on this road, You'll stay on this road for 47 minutes, get on that road, stay on this, that road for 15 minutes, then turn left. I mean, it's certainly not sort of specification document that you would get out of a mapping program. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Let's think about design on a roadmap. What are the key elements or content that we have on this thing that we call a roadmap? Well, first I would say initiatives and epics, not features or stories. Um, I would, uh, and I, I did mention, you know, subject to change without notice, Um, vision is good. Um, I wonder if it wants to have the name of the executive sponsor. 
Like, if you have any questions, go talk to that person instead of, you know, calling me. Another one would be audience. Um, I, I think you do have different audiences and therefore need different roadmaps, which is why having some kind of automation is, is pretty helpful. Are there any particular tools you like using? Before the software existed, I was still using either PowerPoint or Excel. Um, I, I could do an awful lot in Excel by using pivot tables and such. And, and of course, that is one of the problems in product management is you do your roadmap in Excel. I do my roadmap in, in PowerPoint. We both present to our senior leadership going, do you guys work for the same company? You know, this inconsistency of our deliverables is, I think, reflects poorly on our professionalism. There are certainly two or three, four really strong players today. And I, in particular, I think it's ProdPad that I saw the other day um, has the ability to publish to your website multiple flavors of your roadmap so that you've got real-time information. So the sales guy can say, you know, hey, here, here's the here's the roadmap. Slack's roadmap is in Trello, and it's publicly available, uh, which I think is is somewhat nervy. Um, but I mean, yeah, we can put our roadmap on the web. I hope you like what the roadmap says. So I think enterprise salespeople would say they would want that, and then they would see it, and they'd say, oh, I don't want everybody to know that, and. Maybe you don't want your competitor to know where you're going either. I think in B2B, we tend to be overly secretive. And I think maybe in B2C, they are not quite secretive enough. I remember seeing one where the objective had a question mark on the end. It was something like, you know, uh, would changing some aspect of the product, I forget which, increase retention, question mark. And so they were putting in, you know, major experiments in their roadmap, not just major design and development uh, uh, directions. We've kind of figured out what's on there. Are there any particular best practice or bad practice or anti-patterns that you think of on a roadmap? Well, I do see a lot of bad behavior in roadmapping. I see um, features rather than themes or objectives or trends. I see features and I see date commitments. And no matter how many times you say it, if you put a date and a feature on the same document, you have made a commitment. Um, the, the other one is uh, uh, what's becoming kind of a famous quote for me is uh, we allocate 100% of our resources to the roadmap and then plan to use the other 100% of our resources for special situations. We can only do what we can do. I mean, this is the the essence of Agile. You know, we're going to work on the top priorities now, and then next week we'll work on the top priorities then. And who knows how well that's reflected in the roadmap, which is why we talk about themes and initiatives and objectives. So in terms of anti-pattern, having features and dates on a roadmap is never a good idea. Let me quote Mark Twain. Stick to the truth. It's easier to remember. So when you're putting together a roadmap, what do you know to be true? and leave your hopes and dreams in a different document. Whose advice on road mapping do you listen to? I'm a big uh, believer in Bruce McCarthy and the team that he worked with to write uh, their book on road mapping. Uh, I also follow Rich Miranoff uh, and John Cutler. And of course, 
the various presidents of the road mapping tools companies. If you had to distill your philosophy on road mapping into one or two sentences, what would it be? A road map is a plan, not a commitment. It shows you how we will achieve our vision. Is there anything else about road mapping that I should have asked you? I think people are asking too much of a simple document. They want it to be the answer to all questions. It's a magic document that people think will shorten the sales cycle and improve the visibility in the market and a myriad other reasons. And a roadmap is pretty straightforward. It's how are we going to achieve our vision? Here's your chance, Steve. Give us your pitch for product growth leaders. We started Broader Growth Leaders a few years ago because largely we couldn't find a community for experienced product managers. We found a lot of newbies and wannabes. You know, these people say, oh, we've got 20,000 people in our Slack channel. And you're like, no, you've got 2,000 who have ever returned the second time. And all of them say, how do I get a job in product management? Uh, So all these boards that I have gone to and LinkedIn groups and all these places, I find a bunch of wannabes or newbies. And yet I know there I knew there was a a body of experienced people who wanted to talk to one another. So we started this community. And as we worked with teams, we found out that they needed a different kind of training. And so over the last few years, we've developed applied coaching as training. And we now offer a class on strategy, we offer a class on planning, and we offer a class on growth. And each class is 90 minutes a week, learn one thing, use it with your product, uh, and then next week we'll learn something new. Because what we found is if you don't use a technique within a week, you forget the technique. So Product Growth Leaders does training and coaching for product teams uh, on how how to do product management correctly. Steve, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you today. Really just want to thank you for your time. Please do remember to like, subscribe, hit that bell icon, and uh, you know, follow us on this journey, listen in. Uh, and if you would like to join us here on the channel like Steve, do get in touch. Reach out by info at talkingroadmaps.com, and we'd love to have you on the channel to talk about it. Steve, thank you very much again. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you.